Ah, the name is Bootsy, baby. Radio Free Galaxy. You know that funk's for me. By the power of the one, we be funking uh, for fun, baby. Galaxy. I'm Travis Lee. I'm Teen Komar. I'm sick of winter weather. And this is episode 145 of this podcast that we do every week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, the featured content for this evening is going to be episode 5 and 6 of Star Trek Picard season 3. We've been really enjoying this season. Well, some of us have been. I don't know what Adam's opinion on it is. But Christine and I have been enjoying the season so far, and we are happy to talk about it again. Um, and we will also be talking about our continued viewing of The Mandalorian. We're on episode four, uh, titled The Foundling, and we are also going to talk about uh, episode 14 of The Bad Batch. So, uh, please follow us on social media everywhere that we are. We are on Instagram and Facebook. And actually, just this week, I started using our uh, Twitter account again. Uh, Didn't really want to, but I had some people asking me to do it. So, started using the Radio Free Galaxy at Radio Free Galaxy uh, Twitter account. And I will be tweeting out uh, videos from the Radio Free Galaxy YouTube page as I put them up, and you also get updates when the new episodes of the podcast are available, and any other information that we feel is relevant and needs to be shared on that page, so look for us there on social media, and follow, well, subscribe to the Radio Free Galaxy YouTube channel, we are over 600 subscribers now, So check that out. Tons of videos, almost 800 videos on that channel. Uh, Something for everyone. Well, actually not something for everyone. I'm sure there's some jack off out there that there's like nothing for me here. Nope. Nope. I don't see nothing for me. I hate when people say there's something for everyone there because I'm always the guy who's like, nope, I don't see nothing for (laughs) me. There's nothing for me there. So there isn't something for everyone. So fuck off. Especially when you like see like rummage sales or estate sales, they're like something for everyone, and I'm like, I don't see a fucking thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> I win because I'm the most miserable. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, anyway, there's something for everyone on that channel, <laughs> and if you would like a Radio Free Galaxy shirt or any other wearable merchandise or a coffee mug or something like that. You can go to T Public and look for So Geek Girl S E W G E E K G I R L, and you know actually I was doing that today because I was sharing the link, and so I went to T Public and I typed in So Geek Girl all one word, 
and it doesn't actually come up. You you don't actually come up on a search really? on a search on on T Public. What you have to do is you have to capitalize because of the goofy ass way that you typed it in um, to T Public. Uh, you have to capitalize so, and you have to capitalize geek, and you have to capitalize girl, all in the same word to get the search results. So if you type in one word, all lowercase, so geek girl, you do not actually get any results. Oh, I didn't know that. If I were you, I would fix that. I because will it's fix a that. Real problem. I, I did not know that. Thanks I could, for letting I me could, know. I could not even find a Radio Free Galaxy shirt, and I'm... Probably the one that should be able to that find one. Crying. No, I did not know that. Thank yeah, you for letting we, me know. We've been telling people to just search for So Geek Girl and you I know didn't what? think that was a problem it with does the not work. uppercase, lowercase. I didn't know that. It, it should not be a problem, but it in fact uh, is a okay. problem. Well, I will fix that. So for now, just uh, if you're listening to this, uh, search for So Geek Girl, but remember to capitalize the S, the G, and the other G. Huh. Okay. So yeah, I was I was looking for I, I just went on it so you know I was gonna share I was gonna share the page and I'm like I can't find it. Apparently <laughs> okay. it doesn't fucking exist. And I had to go outside of T public and then search for So Geek Girl and Google results gave it to me without having to capitalize it, but T public would not give huh, it to me. That's really dumb. But yeah. okay, I will work on that as soon as we're done with the podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's probably a uh major impediment to people wanting to buy t-shirts and oh, not being able to find them. I'm sorry folks I thought I was all hunky-dory and yes I am close I am so close to the mic I will fix that all right and so is that all the stuff that we have to talk about and share yeah that's everything so let's get into this week's episode of the bad batch episode 14 of the bad batch uh the well, uh, no, I, I was going to say the foundling, but that's the Mandalorian. Tipping um, point. Tipping point. Basically, we're getting a convergence of all of our storylines coming together now, which seems to happen on the Bad Batch at some point during the season. Uh, I, what This is only the second season or whatever, but they seem to bring all of their storylines that you know are separate, and they seem to converge them in the end, and we're getting towards that where... There, we got the Crosshair storyline and the Empire storyline and the Rex and Echo storyline and then the Bad Batch proper storyline all converging together into one. We've got Crosshair, who's been captured by the Empire, and this episode he tries to make an escape from these doctors that are basically... The doctors are trying to... Uh, recreate the cloning technology of the Kaminoans, uh, but they can't do it without some help, and they really need Omega to do it. Um, and the only link to Omega they have right now, even though it's a, it's a distant one, is Crosshair. So they're trying to get whatever information out of Crosshair that they can through torture. Uh to get some kind of information about where Echo might be. And, uh, not Echo, uh, Omega. Sorry, I always get those, <laughs> I always get that confused. Um, but yeah, that's basically the storyline going on there. And then you have uh, Rex and Echo um, back on Curson, and they're trying to uh, 
free some of the clones that are getting imprisoned and they're getting used as test subjects, which they don't know that yet until this episode, but they're getting used as test subjects for the Empire and their cloning research and things like that. Uh, what did you think of this episode, Christine? I liked it. It was a, like it had two different storylines going on where one is that, you know, um, Crosshair is being tortured and there's also like, you know, Echo is trying to break out uh, like their clone brethren. And then you have uh, the rest of the Bad Batch that are hanging out on Padu, kind of like fixing up the island after that huge earthquake that they had. I I know like this is all leading up to them, you know, getting together and going to break out, you know, Crosshair, which maybe he'll join them in the end. I don't know, but like I like I just like how this story is going. It's a it's a very since the beginning of Star Wars, it's a very common theme that even the worst villains might have a shred of goodness left in them and they can be turned over to the light side right Adam and I, I think that same theme is going with Crosshair even though he's done a lot of very bad things and a lot of evil things he certainly hasn't done as many as say Darth Vader and if Darth Vader was able to be redeemed well I'm sure Crosshair can be redeemed as well right possibly I mean like a lot of the um Kind of theme throughout most of the Star Wars stories is, you know, redemption yeah. on some level. Right. Um, some of the, you know, novels from the Old Republic, a lot of the video games. Um, I mean, it's possible. I think, uh, if anything, Crosshair might just be pragmatic about it yeah. because it's in his best interests. Yeah. And he's starting to see that if he doesn't have his own best interests at heart, the Empire certainly doesn't. Right. Well, I mean, whatever he thinks of, you know, his former unit or whatever, I think there's still something in him that wants to protect Omega because he really, he doesn't, he sees her as more of an innocent victim in all of this and doesn't want her to get caught up with the Empire. And so he's protecting maybe her innocence at all costs because, I mean, at the, he's not just, He's not just I don't think it goes that deep, dude. I think that's yeah. part of him just being a good soldier is because technically Omega is a civilian. Yeah, right. As far as he knows, yeah. Even right. though she has really entered the battle in earnest. I mean, like, according to what he knows, yeah, she really isn't innocent and there's no need for her to get involved. And I mean... But, I mean, he still does manage to get that uh, part of a, you know, message out to hide them, hide her. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens next. But, I mean, this this is really building up to be kind of an exciting finish to the season. It's really, really good. So, uh, let's move on to The Mandalorian. This is a really good episode this week, The Foundling. Uh, I love... To just see a group of Mandalorians together just doing shit. Like, (laughs) I I don't even care what it is. Like, it's... Even though we've had, you know, several seasons of this kind of thing happening in live action, it's just still so rad 
to see a group of Mandalorians together. Well, they're building on it, too. So, like, okay, you've seen us in war. You've seen us do, like, all these, like, super badass things. Now you get to see kind of what they do in, like, their home life and kind of just, you know, regular training stuff. You know, what they do with the foundlings and yeah. Grogu being cute, shooting with little uh, training darts. <laughs> like, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's being super cute. But also, he's... I, I just... You know what? I want to see the helmet that he eventually gets at him. Is he going to have big old ears in that helmet or what? <laughs> like what kind of, what kind of helmet can they make for him? Possibly. I don't know that they would necessarily make him a helmet. I mean, it's part of the creed though, you know? Right. But he, until he's old enough to speak the words, which right. is going to be decades, mm-hmm. most likely considering it, how the speed in which, that particular race ages it's unlikely he's he's gonna we're gonna see it um i can only imagine that they're gonna make some accommodation for that with this helmet but yeah Yeah. i mean i I don't know how much would you really want to get your ears tucked into a helmet (laughs) big old you know radar dish looking (laughs) they would catch the wind so how many channels that dude pick up i mean come on (laughs) For real. I mean, I'm sure they're, like, ultra-sensitive, too, you know? So, like, to have those ultra-sensitive ears that probably hear really far away, to have them stuck inside of a metal Mm. helmet, and, like, every little clang or something probably resonates in their ears, and, like... But, you know, this is fiction, and we don't have to think about, like, the practical nature of things like that, but... Anyway, the the story of this episode is that we're back with the uh, covert... The, and um, Bo-Katan and uh, Jin Dejarin are there, and um, one of the other foundlings gets taken by a big monster bird pterodactyl-looking yeah. thingy, whatever the hell it is, and it gets taken to its nest to feed its younglings, and the Mandalorians have to... Uh, chase after it and hunt it down to get their foundling back because this is the way. This right? is the way. And uh, they elect um, Bo-Katan to be the war party leader and you got... Wh- which Vizsla is this, Adam? Is it Pax Vizsla? Pre- I I get c- confused at which Vizsla is, is currently with them. I don't know. Uh, I'm terrible with names, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of the one of the Vizslas is with them, and and that this foundling is his son. I don't know whether it's his biological son or just his foundling son, but it adds a little extra skin in the game for him that they have to get this foundling back. Not like they would abandon a foundling anyway, but they've got to get this foundling back, and you know, is a personal mission. So. They go on a war party. It's to... uh, Paz Vizsla. Paz Vizsla, thank you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so they've got a little war party together. And I just, that's the part that kind of like geeked me out. I love seeing this little war party of Mandalorians together and like some of the best of the best of them. You know, Paz Vizsla and Bo Katan and Jinjajarin and like all together, like climbing this like rock face together and like working in silent unison together. It's just really fun to see, even though it's, you know, just there. The MacGuffin of just having to go after this big bird monster is less important than them working together mm-hmm. for, 
you know, to uphold the creed and to rescue the foundling because that's the most important thing, right? Right. And, like, also, Bo-Katan, like, taking the leadership of the entire thing, like, to kind of prove herself. Because, like, when she's fighting that big pterodactyl monster, she loses, like, a shoulder plate. And, like, they replace the shoulder plate. And she's like, can I get, you know, the mythosaur on one arm, you know, instead of, like, the night owl? Because she, you know, finally admits to, like, you know, I, I can't remember her name. The smith that runs the forge in there. Uh, like, like, hey, what would you say if I saw Mythosaur and, like, you know, it's pretty much this is the way and then, like, walked off. It's kind of like, it's building up to something more for Bo-Katan, you know, to take the leadership of the Mand- Mandalorians. And that was, like, I don't know. I really love uh, Katie, uh, yeah. Katie Sackhoff. Yeah, Katie Sackhoff is really good. Um, yeah, but I mean the armor. God, I can't remember her name either. But she's the Smith the armor. What the armor? That's yeah. all. That's 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 all she's known as. Right. She's the okay, armor. Okay. Right. Yeah, I I keep wanting to put like another name in there, but that's just what it is. She's she's like nonplussed by the fact that Bo-Katan says that she saw a mythosaur because, according to their faith and their creed, like they know it's real. They know it's real, and the fact that they swam in the living waters. And that she saw one, she's like, well, yeah, of course you did. Yeah. Because it's real, and it exists. And, like, as much as it stuns Bo-Katan, it's like, the armor's like, yeah, okay, you saw it. Yeah, great. <laughs> Good. Good. We all we all know it exists. Like, I, you know, I don't have to see it to know it exists. And that's, like, people who take a leap of faith versus people that need to be shown this thing, you know, and evidence of, of it, you know, and it's like, well, now it's like Bo-Katan has to think about a whole different thing now where it's like, Oh, this is much deeper than I thought it was going to be. And because she's really taken with, you know, keeping her helmet on and stuff like she, you know, staying with the creed. Right. I, I like how you get that little, uh, when they're making the camp for the night, you get that little bit of information like, okay, like, how do we eat? Yeah, I was thinking that, I'm like, how do we eat? And then it's like, well, we go off to some places where nobody can see us and we just eat. And she, since she has the war party, she gets the uh, bonus of sitting at the fire to yeah. take her helmet off. Yeah. And it's like... I don't know. It's just kind of cool because I don't think she ever really thought that much into the Mandalorian lifestyle, like especially like the more hardcore side of the Mandalorian lifestyle. Yeah. And then um, we should also talk about Grogu's uh, little uh, well, backstory. Yeah. Well, yeah, Adam, we, we get this little flashback of Grogu when uh, he was at the Jedi Temple uh, during Order 66. Uh, well, right after uh, Order 66 was enacted. And the Jedi Temple was being uh, ransacked by all the stormtroopers, or, well, soldiers at the time. They weren't stormtroopers. And, um, and yeah, and we get how he escaped, and he was saved by a Jedi. I'm sure he's got a... I'm sure the Jedi has a name. I didn't look it up because I'm just not that thorough. But the actor is what's important <laughs> because we, we get the redemption... We get the redemption of one of the most controversial I don't know if I would say controversial but I would say um one of the most reviled I don't know actors in in Star Wars history because of the character that he portrayed in the movies and that's Ahmad Best and he was the original actor that played Jar Jar Binks 
Dude, it's so weird. I used to be on the hate train of just Jar Jar Binks, but now it's actually grown on me because I find high entertainment in doing the quotes of Jar Jar Binks. But yeah, I was like, oh, that's Jar Jar Binks. I'm like, oh. Well, because the, the reason why, Christine, is because at one time, Jar Jar Binks was as bad as it gets. Oh, you know what I know. I, mean? I know. Dude, I was there. I remember the hate that and, was being And now slammed. we've lived through uh, episode eight and nine of the movies, Ugh. and stuff was so much more... Innocent. Stuff was so much worse in in those movies than episode one. And now we hearken back to the the halcyon days of episode (laughs) one when all we had to worry about was... The pod races. The pod races and silly Jar Jar Binks doofing around. Dude, I I watch them all the time. And it's just like, you know, back in the simpler days of cinema where Jar Jar was just bopping around, you know, (laughs) like, oh, no! Like, I, I would rather watch that any day over finding a you're a Palpatine and you're a Palpatine and you're a cloned Palpatine. Fuck! You get a Palpatine name and you get a Palpatine name. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ahmad Best. And honestly, I thought he played a pretty badass Jedi, Adam. I mean, he had that blue and that green saber going at the same time. He got to cruise around on that speeder all through Cursant and do a pretty awesome job of piloting it around. And I think he had the stature and the feel of of a real Jedi at that time, you know? Yeah, like I I actually like him as an actor. Like it was he was fun. But yeah, dude, I just when he uh knocked one of those uh stormtroopers off, I'm like, you so gonna die now. <laughs> I just, I really just have a hard time with like the hatred for like that dude, just like with Rose. Yeah. Like, yeah. what did they specifically do? Nothing. Yeah, dude, the, it's such bogus to take it on yeah. an actor. Like, like, you can play a bad character and be mad at the character, but don't be mad at the actor. That's right. bullshit. Yeah. He did right. his like, job. He did his job, like, man. Like the kid who played Joffrey in freaking Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. He oh, did an man. exceptionally good job to, you know, as that character. Joffrey was the fucking worst. Did that kid get shit for being a good actor? Uh, yeah, right? Really? Probably. What? <laughs> Holy shit, dude. He was an amazingly, like, dude, I believe that kid was an asshole. But, like, to take it out on him in person, dude, I, oh, people take their shit too seriously. Like, yeah. like if you make me hate that character, dude, you did your job as an actor. You made me yeah. believe that that character was shit. If you're not a shitty person in real life, like then i don't care you know chive on man yeah uh look jar jar binks is not the worst of star wars oh, it, no. it it was bad and maybe it was the worst at the time but we've had much worse things happen in star wars and right. it's so forgivable at <laughs> yes, this point it's innocent it's so forgivable at this point and welcome back to star wars Ahmad best i thought that scene was cool i thought he played the shit out of it and it was right, really like, fun yeah i mean and it, like like how much was he actually Jar Jar Binks though? You know, I know. like I know, right? Like okay, so was he the stand-in for the CGI? Yeah. Okay, does that matter? Did he read the lines and do a funny voice? Okay, how was that his fault? <laughs> like what the yeah. fuck? Dude, he was in a Star Wars movie. Like, the the honor of knowing that you're going to be in a Star Wars movie should just elate you instead of getting so much hate. And that's just not cool. Especially episode one, when, you know, it was so long since we had any Star Wars content for it to come back. And then for you to get this huge role, 
this huge role yeah. in, in Star Wars when it comes back, and then to just get shit on, to get absolute right. shit on. It was probably his dream come true to be in Star Wars, and he just got absolutely reviled because Star Wars fans are the abs. Some of Star Wars fans mm. can be some of the worst people in the world. I mean, yeah. as much as people love Star Wars, they also hate Star Wars at the same time. Yeah. You know? There's never going to be a perfect medium for Star Wars fans, especially ones that are always looking for, like, the purest, looking for everything to be perfect. And whatever, man. I totally enjoy the those three movies, especially with Jar Jar in it. it it's just entertaining. Yeah. So let's get into Star Trek, Picard. Uh, we're talking about episode five and episode six. Uh, we were supposed to talk about episode five last week, but I told Adam to watch the wrong episode. Uh <laughs> And you didn't tell me. I took it upon myself to write yeah. to you know watch right. it, but like right. I was under the impression of the wrong episode. So right, exactly. Um, so last week, well, last time we talked about it, we talked about the no win scenario, uh, episode four, which I thought was an exceptional, exceptional episode where we got that feel of the old Star Trek generation, mm-hmm. next generation uh, crew. And really, these last two episodes have just gone on to compound that, especially episode six. But episode five, we got a a member of a Star Trek crew from the past coming back into the life of uh, Jean-Luc. Maybe somebody we hadn't thought would ever come back, and that's uh, Rolaren came back Mm -hmm. into, into the picture. And um, I believe she was a commander in this one. Yeah, commander, yep. Rolaren. And seeing her come back, I, I always liked that character because it had so much so much complexity to it. And she really, you know, uh, you know, if, if you remember what happened to her back when she was in the series and stuff, that she kind of betrayed, betrayed the Federation by going back with the Maquis. And for right or for wrong, she made her choice. Um, and now she's back with Star Trek in an intelligence uh, security capacity. Because, I mean, who better, really, to run your security operations? It's the same thing with, like, a casino or something where you get, like, the best thief to be your head of security once they're reformed because they know all the tricks of the trade and everything like that. So you get, like, the best terrorist to be, like, the head of your security uh, as, lo- as long as you can get them, you know, on your side and, you know, y- you get them because they know all the tricks of the trade and they know all the informants and they know all the, the underworld and it's not just theory to them. They really have been in the shit. So, I mean, who better than Rolaren to run security? And there's always a question now of, from what's going on in the series, you know, is everybody a changeling or not? So you have Rolaren and Picard, like, going at each other uh, emotionally, like, biting at each other in this little tete-a-tete that they're having. And it's like, they do that because they're both trying to find out if they're really who they say yeah. they are or if they're a changeling. And then they find out because they hurt each other emotionally that, oh, this must be the real Rolaren. Oh, this must be the real Picard. And then there's like, there's like a sloughing off of all their like protection and they finally feel 
okay with like sitting there and talking to each other. And apparently, Adam Rolaren's been on top of this whole conspiracy within in the Federation, and you know, um, she wants to help Picard as much as she can by alerting them that all of the Federation has been infiltrated by the changelings. They don't know to what ends. They don't know what they know that it's it's um, Founders Day or what, whatever it is uh, the big festival that's coming up and they've there's something planned they're going to do something the Dominion the changelings whatever uh, but they've got like only a few days to figure it out why did they want his son why did they what did they steal all of these things and um, you know, she basically is going to help them, you know, by telling them the real score that they, they've, they're they on their own. They're on their own. The entire Federation's after them. And they can't trust anyone, really. Yeah, that it, it's heavy, man. It is. It is. So, I don't know. What, what are you thinking so far of this uh, season of, of Picard, Adam? Um, I'm thinking the writing, but... Um, it's kind of weird because like everything is always on such like a like epic grandiose scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of weird. Like in it's like they're throwing a lot of elements in. Yeah. And there's some interesting shit going on with the changelings and all that, but um, man, like I like it, but there's still like I don't know. I just Part of me just wants to think that it could be scaled back to some degree. Sure, it could be. Uh, you're you're one hundred percent right. They're they're throwing too many characters at us. You know, like they're throwing too many familiar faces at us, and like that's always in the back of my mind. I'm like, this story could be served better by not having this and not necessarily having this and scaling this down a little bit. But it is the final season of Picard. This is probably the final season we're ever going to get of, you know, Jean-Luc and a lot of these cast members. So they wanted to bring them all back for, like, one hurrah. And they've got to kind of make it make sense, you know, like, yeah. oh, where would where would Jordy be at this time? Where would Riker be at this time? You know, how can we make them all fit back into their lives and, and have their appearances and have it have, you know, a sense of uh, some emotional gravity to it all and, and not make it all fucking clown shoes. Honestly, I wish they would do like a holodeck one like they used to do on TNG where they would do some like theatrical old timey thing and just have everyone just out to the nines doing something like I mean, I I love seeing everyone from the next generation. That is possibly my favorite Star Trek. But it's like overall, like there's so much seriousness and death and destruction going on. It's like I kind of miss the more, you know, hey, we're going to have a silly episode instead of everything's going to be serious. We have 72 hours to get to Founders Day or else. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know what? That's just the nature of these streaming shows, though. When you only have like eight to ten episodes or even 12 episodes, you kind of just got to tell a story and like the episodic nature of things i mean just kind of goes out the window mm. you know what i mean as much as that sucks like yeah i would love to see one episode where they get stuck in a holodeck and they've got to play through like a sherlock holmes thing or something like that but you know and, and q fucking around or whatever but oh, i mean 
it's just not how TV shows are mostly made anymore. There's very few TV shows made like that anymore where they get in a jam for an episode and they got to get out of it, you know. They do that as much as they can and they try to add humor in it, but it's just not... That's They don't have 26 episodes a season to explore things like that anymore. So, you know, as unfortunate as that is, it, we, you have to appreciate what you can get now. So... Uh, and then episodes, and, and then at the episode, end of episode five, you know, uh, Rolaren, uh, sacrifices herself by, uh, flying her, her shuttle right into the nacelles of, of the, uh, other, uh, Federation ship, and that allows the Titan to get away, and they're off. I was gonna say, it was very touching when she gave up her earring to John Luke, because, yeah. like, that was, like, a whole argument they had, because she was wearing it out of rebellion, and it's like, yeah. he's like, oh my god, like, she handed me to this, but it ended up being a piece of spy craft. I'm, like, fucking mm -hmm. genius to have a cool, like, ear cuff to do that, but it was like, yeah. like, okay, that, that touch. It was basically that a touch. thumb drive. Yeah. yeah. With all of the information on her investigation so far. Yeah. And it's another piece to the puzzle. So that brings us to episode six, which was called Bounty. And the idea in this one is that we got more of the old crew coming back together. Uh, we got Worf uh, coming back to join them all. And um, the they're going to the Daystrom station where all of the Federation's high-tech secrets, basically all their black operations tech is uh being held and where it's all stored and this was where the changelings stole well at least two things from there and they're trying to find out what that second thing was that they can't figure out yet so they've got to break back in to the daystrom station now the the crew they used to break back in like i can understand wharf and um Raffaello. yeah rafi going back but is Riker your like natural like third choice for that mission adam i mean <laughs> i think you took a little bit too much uh prerogative on that one <laughs> yeah. yeah right like i i could think of a lot of other members of that crew that would have been maybe in better physical shape oh, and yellow shirt of some sort yeah. you know that if they get pegged off it wouldn't be that big of a deal but Riker one of your main guys like he gets well, taken. also a senior citizen you know not necessarily for a covert <laughs> operation I mean so is Worf you know but I mean Worf's Worf he's a you know? Klingon I don't know how old his uh body they live is. longer I'll live longer so I mean he's fine but yeah it's like Riker what you yeah doing? but see the thing is though it's like okay sure they live longer but so do humans of that era right pretty right. routinely Right. So, yeah. I mean, Picard is supposedly, well, I mean, I know he's in a synthetic body now, but even when he wasn't, he was over 100. So, or right around. Right I, I still have a problem with Picard have like like <laughs> yes. choosing to age for starters, yeah. like why? Yeah. Why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. Well, like, I, I understand the keeping your physical appearance, but like sure. Yeah. This meat sack that the rest of everything under, like, everything yeah. under the hood, I'm sorry. I would have been, like, yeah. brand new, running great, not aging, fuck you. And a full head of hair. <laughs> no, no. You keep the external appearance the way it was, so he doesn't throw anyone off. Yeah. Dude, John Luke looks hot as a half-bald 
Batman. So yeah, like he's the like the only one that I know of that it can pull that off. Him. It works for him. Uh, well, he's not the only one. I mean, there's been a lot of really attractive bald men out there. Oh, so. that is true. I'm thinking of some Bond villains. Commander Cisco. There you go, Cisco. I can think of uh, Michael Jordan, Telly Savalas. Yes. We don't have to go through the oh, list Lord. of okay. attractive I'm bald sorry. Men. You have a whole like little like. I've got a black book, book of, of attractive bald, bald men. men. I'm yeah. E- e- Tony Savalas. I forgot about him. Telly Savalas. Telly. <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry. You're anyway, circling anyway, it in your book. Enough, Kojak. Um, so well, to what the point you're making, Adam? Though also you can understand Data doing that though, because Data chose to do it because Data's always been trying to be more human. That's right. always been his goal to be more human. And when we re met him again in the first season of the show, he explained it pretty eloquently that you know he chose to set up his body to look like this so it wouldn't be off-putting to the people around him and he wanted to experience aging the best that he could you know it it, it was a, another venture into you know wanting to find out what it's like to be human by also aging i've also got to figure out you know i can't look the same all the time and figure out what it's like to live a life and go through a life without having some kind of outward visual interpretation of age or time passing on me. Right. And speaking of data, we find out that when we get into the Daystrom station, that basically the AI that's protecting the station is a form of data. But it's not exactly data. It's also data, and it's also law, law and it's also lore. And it's, it's all of them mixed together into this... B4 or whatever they they uh the designation of them was but i mean it's it's all of these different data people even even professor sung is is his consciousness is in there too so you he was pr- hooked into the the ai system that's protecting that place and that ai system the part of it that's data recognized riker and worf and Rafi, when they entered the place, and tried to give them clues about where to find him within it, which was kind of cool. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, you showed a crow and then Moriarty, which, if you've seen the uh, TNG series, like, that episode does come up where Moriarty's on the holodeck and becomes a sentient being of sorts. Yeah, right. So that that was cool. I'm like, oh, I, I love that episode. Yeah, it was really cool. And then they ended up letting him off onto a planet or something at the end of that episode and, like, letting him go live his life in in their century because he had become a, a new sentient, yeah, yeah. S- you know, sentient being. So, yeah, uh, was that the real one? No, it just seemed like a projection more so that Data made to lead them to him yeah. more so. Yeah. Um, and then we also get Jordy coming back in this one. He is the Commodore of uh, of basically the the ship museum for the Federation, you know. And you get the cool visual of like all these famous ships that are docked there for their final resting place at this museum. Like Adam, that would be a museum. Like I'm not big on museums, but that would be like the coolest museum to go see, right? Dude, for real. I that's like it's. 
So, like, when you go to the Smithsonian, like, you shouldn't just be like, oh, I'm going to go to the Smithsonian on Tuesday while I'm in, you know, no, asshole. You're going to be in, you're going to go visit the Smithsonian, like, unless you're only visiting the one thing that you have a niche interest in. If you want to go check out, like, nearly everything, you're going to need, like, a week. The same for the, um, uh, the Natural History and Technology Museum in Chicago. You don't just go there for one day, usually. Right. Like, we barely saw anything when we were there for, like, three hours on a field trip when I was in the fourth grade. Yeah. I like, wonder, we saw two things. I wonder if you go to this museum, if you can actually, like, go on to the ships, or if you're, like, if you have to just, like, stay inside the station and you can just, like, look at them through viewports or whatever. I would think you can walk. If they're decommissioned, you know, why wouldn't you be able to just walk onto the ships and check them well, out? I mean, they uh, because they already showed why you can't, why you shouldn't be able to. <laughs> they stole a functioning Klingon cloaking device from the well, bounty. You would think that would have been taken off of there, though, <laughs> right, Adam? You wouldn't well, think and, they and would and leave and the cloaking the same device. Lo- and by the same logic, like, why didn't they just take the one off the Defiant? That would probably be easier to adapt to a Starfleet ship. Yeah, that's true. Well, they weren't thinking through it very hard. I mean, they didn't have a lot of time. They to had think an hour. It. Right. Right. Yeah, they, they had, like, an hour to, like, oh, shit, what do we do? And, I mean, there's situa- you know, situation, you know, dictated that they had to get out of there fast, and they stole the cloaking device, and they finally got Jordy on board with his two daughters, uh, one of which, the, the one that he transports onto the ship with, the one in the yellow uniform, she actually is his real-life daughter. That's so cool. Yeah, and the, and the one that had been on the ship, the other uh, LaForge that had been on the Titan with them, that's, you know, it, his, you know, in-the-show daughter, but not actually his real-life kin. Uh, so he's got two really capable Starfleet officer daughters, and um, Jordy seems to have, like, become different with fatherhood and you know with gaining the use of his eyes and a lot of other things i mean he's not the happy-go-lucky geordie that he used to be in generations he's had a lot of worry and he's had a lot to think about and he has a lot to protect now and he's just very different than he used to be those actually aren't his eyes those are cybernetics they replaced his visor right right yeah, exactly. It's banana clip. Yeah, because they don't actually, like, you, you see once in a while they don't exactly move, like, real eyes. No. They still do, like, funny little things. Yeah, because um, he's got contacts in to yeah. obviously not obfuscate his right. organic, like, actor eyes, but... Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was a fun <laughs> he's episode. He's got something to lose now, so, like, other than his own life. Mm-hmm. He has, right. like, more than just himself to worry about, which is kind of why he's changed. Right. Which makes sense. Yeah, and he's got a big responsibility, you know, like, I mean, I know it's just a museum, but it's like a museum of, like, the kind of the most precious, like, artifacts of the Federation. And, I mean, you get the original Enterprise and so many other, the Voyager, you know, having 7 of 9C Voyager was kind of cool, you know, she got all choked up and stuff, and, but... Yeah, great episodes. And then finally at the end, uh, we find out that the other thing that they stole from the Daystrom Institute was Picard's body. 
Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. <laughs> to what end? To what end? To what end? I don't know. And so why are they after Jack now? You know, it has something to do with that. Yeah. Clearly something to do with it. Something, it's probably something with that disease that Jack and Picard both have that he genetically passed on to Jack. It's clearly got something to do with that because now Jack has this debilitating disease that Picard had and, you know, who knows how long. It's actually kind of a letdown to figure out that that was like just a disease. Yeah. Right. Well, we don't know that it's just a disease, Adam. It, it might be so much more than that. There's there's clearly a reason why they're after his original body and why they're emphasizing that Jack also has this. I don't think that it's simply a disease. I it, think it's more than that. It's probably some kind of implant that they need that opens up a technology to open a MacGuffin of some sort before yeah. the 72 hours of Founder's right. Day happens because it right. can only happen on Founder's Day right. to make the biggest appearance. And... Uh, I mean, Riker gets, you know, captured, and it's not by the Federation, it's by the chick running the strike, and dude, I love that actress. I f- Amanda Plummer. Amanda Plummer is so intimidating and frightening, because you don't know what she's gonna do. She's unhinged. She's unhinged, but dude, like, anytime she puts a, like, cigar in her hand, <laughs> and she's just, like, she, yeah. like, wipes her hair back, and she does a little giggle, and then Kaya's like, let me tell you a story. Yeah, she's great. I, I like her, like... She's great. Yeah. She's really great. Yeah, we're going to find out what this is all heading towards, but I'm enjoying it so far. Yes, like Adam said, there's definitely a lot of goofiness that you have to look past, but uh, they're doing the best they can. They're doing the best they can with working within the parameters that they have in the time that this is being made, and I'm enjoying it very much for what it is. It could be a lot worse. Yes. <laughs> it could be a lot worse. So we got to wrap it up. We're running out of time here. So I want to thank you all for listening to episode 145 of Radio Free Galaxy. Uh, Christine, can you quick think of a totally non-real place where Trisha is this week while I say everything? Please remember to follow us on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter. And please remember to subscribe to the Radio Free Galaxy YouTube channel. And... Trisha, this week, where is she? Dude, Trisha was rushed out to the Antarctic because the penguins over there need to learn how to tap dance, and she's the only one that's able to teach penguins how to tap dance. Right, because they need somebody short enough that the penguins can relate to them. Exactly. Yes. Because Trisha is three apples high. Yes. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week on Radio Free Galaxy. Bye.